This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of unicompartmental knee replacement from the recon section on orthobullets.com. A unicompartmental knee replacement is a surgical option for knee arthritis when only one compartment of the knee is involved. As far as the epidemiology, 5% of surgeries where knee arthroplasty is indicated are unicompartmental knee replacements. As far as the location, the medial compartment is the most common. With respect to types of implants, fixed bearing is the historical standard of care. Mobile bearings have both pros and cons. The pros are that weight bearing through the meniscus increases conformity and contact without increasing constraint. Other pros include a decrease in wear pattern and excellent survivorship out to the second decade. Cons of a mobile bearing unicompartmental knee replacement is that it's technically demanding and bearings can dislocate. As far as advantages of a unicompartmental knee replacement compared to total knee arthroplasty, these patients have a faster rehabilitation and quicker recovery, less blood loss, less morbidity, it's less expensive, and there's preservation of normal kinematics. The theory is that retaining the ACL, PCL, and other compartments leads to more normal knee kinematics. Finally, another advantage is that there's a smaller incision, so there's less postoperative pain, leading to shorter hospital stays. The advantages of unicompartmental knee replacement compared to osteotomy is that there is faster rehabilitation and quicker recovery, improved cosmesis, there's a higher initial success rate, fewer short-term complications, it lasts longer, and it's easier to convert to a total knee arthroplasty. Indications for a unicompartmental knee replacement are controversial and vary widely. However, keep in mind that this option is an alternative to total knee arthroplasty or osteotomy for unicompartmental disease. This option is classically reserved for older, defined as greater than 60, lower demand, and thin patients, defined as less than 82 kilograms. 6% of patients meet this criteria with no contraindications. There has been a new effort to expand indications to include younger patients and patients with more moderate arthrosis. Contraindications to a unicompartmental knee replacement include inflammatory arthritis, ACL deficiency, fixed varus deformity greater than 10 degrees, fixed valgus deformity greater than 5 degrees, restricted motion, previous meniscectomy in the other compartment, tricompartmental arthritis, whether diffuse or global pain, younger high-activity patients and heavy laborers, overweight patients defined as greater than 82 kilograms, and or grade 4 patellofemoral chondrosis manifesting with anterior knee pain. With respect to ACL deficiency, this is an absolute contraindication for mobile-bearing unicompartmental knee arthroplasty and lateral unicompartmental knee arthroplasty. ACL deficiency is also controversial for a medial fixed bearing. With respect to restricted motion as a contraindication for unicompartmental knee arthroplasty, this is defined as an arc of motion of less than 90 degrees and or a flexion contracture of greater than 5 to 10 degrees. The important contraindications to remember for unicompartmental knee replacement include inflammatory arthritis, ACL deficiency, fixed varus deformity greater than 10 degrees, fixed valgus deformity greater than 5 degrees, and tricompartmental arthritis. Moving on to the technique of a unicompartmental knee replacement, some procedural tips include avoiding overcorrections. Specifically, you should undercorrect the mechanical axis by 2 to 3 degrees, and keep in mind that overcorrection places excess load on the unresurfaced compartment. Other procedural tips include removing osteophytes, both peripheral and notch osteophytes, resecting minimal bone, 
avoiding extensive releases, avoiding edge loading, preventing tibial spine impingement with proper medial lateral placement, avoiding making a varus tibial cut, which increases the chance for loosening, using caution when placing the proximal tibial guide pins to avoid stress fractures, and correcting varus deformity to 1 to 5 degrees of valgus. Complications of unicompartmental knee replacement include aseptic loosening, stress fractures, and intraoperative fractures. Aseptic loosening is the most common cause of early failure that is defined at 5 years at somewhere between 25 to 45.3%. Again, aseptic loosening is the most common cause of failure at approximately 5 years at somewhere between 25% to 45.3%. Another potential complication is a stress fracture, which always involves the tibia. Stress fractures are associated with high activity and patient weight, and clinically, there will be a pain-free interval followed by spontaneous pain with activity. Keep in mind that blood is commonly found on joint aspiration in the setting of a stress fracture. Risk factors include penetrating the posterior tibial cortex with the guide pin, placing the guide pin medial in the periphery, redrilling for the guide pin, and an undersized tibial component. Finally, another complication to keep in mind is an intraoperative fracture, which is associated with forceful impacting of the implant. Finally, let's discuss some outcomes, specifically with fixed bearings, mobile bearings, and overall long-term results. As far as fixed bearings, we'll talk about first-decade results and second-decade results. With respect to first-decade results, the 10-year survivorship from studies done in the 1980s and 1990s ranges from 87.4% to 96%. The standard failure rate in the first decade is 1%. As far as second decade results, there is a rapid decline in survivorship ranging from 79% to 90%. Moving on to outcomes for mobile bearings, there is excellent clinical results with a 15-year survivorship reported at 93%. Finally, let's talk about some long-term results. Lateral compartment arthroplasties have equivalent results to medial. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. Lateral compartment arthroplasties have equivalent results to medial. Keep in mind that revision rates are worse with unicompartmental knee arthroplasty than total knee revision rates. Patellofemoral arthroplasty has good outcomes for isolated patellofemoral arthritis. Keep in mind that previous generation designs, for example the inlay style, exhibited higher rates of patellar instability. Newer generation designs, for example the outlay style, replaces the entire anterior trochlear surface and minimizes the risk of patellar instability. Finally, remember that the long-term mode of failure remains progression of tibiofemoral arthritis. Again, keep in mind that the long-term mode of failure of patellofemoral arthroplasty remains progression of tibiofemoral arthritis. As far as causes of late failure, defined as greater than 5 years, This can be from progress of osteoarthritis, whether idiopathic or secondary to overcorrection, and keep in mind that progress of osteoarthritis is more common with a mobile bearing. Other causes of late failure include component failure, secondary to overload due to undercorrection, component loosening, which is common in a fixed bearing, patella impingement on the femoral component, which causes patella pain, and finally, polyethylene wear. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Which of the following statements best describes how unicompartmental knee arthroplasty differs from total knee arthroplasty? And the choices are 1. 
total knee arthroplasty has a higher reoperation rate than unicompartmental knee arthroplasty during the first 10 postoperative years. Two, total knee arthroplasty provides for more normal rotational kinematics than unicompartmental knee arthroplasty. Three, unicompartmental knee arthroplasty more closely replicates normal knee kinematics than total knee arthroplasty. Four, mobile bearings have been successful in unicompartmental knee arthroplasty but not total knee arthroplasty. And five, mobile bearings have been successful in total knee arthroplasty but not unicompartmental knee arthroplasty. The correct answer to this question is three, unicompartmental knee arthroplasty more closely replicates normal knee kinematics than total knee arthroplasty. So because unicompartmental knee arthroplasty does not require cruciate sacrifice, patellofemoral resurfacing, or rotational changes to the femur or tibia, it reliably recreates normal knee kinematics. Unicompartmental knee arthroplasties have generally demonstrated higher reoperation rates than total knee arthroplasties at intermediate and long-term follow-up due in part to progression of arthritis in the non-resurfaced compartments. Mobile bearings have been clinically successful in both unicompartmental knee arthroplasty and total knee arthroplasty. Moving on to the next question. All of the following are contraindications to medial unicondylar knee arthroplasty except, and the choices are one, flexion contracture greater than 10 degrees, two, varus deformity greater than 10 degrees not correctable with stress testing, three, lateral knee joint line pain, four, rheumatoid arthritis, and five, osteonecrosis of the medial femoral condyle. The correct answer to this question is five, osteonecrosis of the medial femoral condyle. So contraindications to performing a unicompartmental slash unicondylar knee arthroplasty include inflammatory arthritis, fixed varus slash valgus deformity more than 10 degrees, flexion contracture more than 10 degrees, less than 90 degrees of flexion preoperatively, ACL insufficiency, significant arthritis in the other compartments, and joint subluxation of more than 5 millimeters. Marmer et al. reviewed 34 cases of unicompartmental knee arthroplasty performed for osteonecrosis of the knee. At 5.5 years follow-up, they reported 90% good or excellent results. They did notice a trend to worse clinical results in cases of lateral compartment osteonecrosis. Parate et al. reviewed 31 cases of unicompartmental knee arthroplasties completed for osteonecrosis of the knee. At 12-year follow-up, they reported 96% good clinical outcomes and a 96% survivorship as well. Moving on to the next question. A 40-year-old man has moderate lateral compartment arthritis several years after undergoing a partial lateral meniscectomy. He has a correctable 5-degree valgus knee deformity compared to his other limb. His patellofemoral and medial compartments do not show any radiographic signs of degenerative changes. His knee has full range of motion and is stable on exam. After failing non-operative treatments, which surgical option is most likely to give him the best outcome? And the choices are 1. Valgus producing high tibial osteotomy. 2. Varus producing distal femoral osteotomy. 3. Total knee replacement. 4. Arthroscopic debridement and chondroplasty and five, tibial tubercle osteotomy with anteromedialization. The correct answer to this question is two, varus-producing distal femoral osteotomy. So a varus-producing distal femoral osteotomy would likely give this patient the best outcome, correcting his valgus deformity and unloading his lateral arthritic compartment. Classic contraindications to an osteotomy include inflammatory arthropathy, cruciate deficiency, 
flexion contracture greater than 15 degrees or less than 90 degrees of flexion. Wang et al. performed a retrospective study on 30 patients with a varus-producing distal femoral osteotomy for valgus deformities with lateral compartment arthritis and found 83% satisfaction at nearly 8 years follow-up. Failures were revised to a total knee arthroplasty. Moving on to the next question. Which of the following is the strongest contraindication to unicompartmental knee arthroplasty? And the choices are 1. Patient age of younger than 60 years. 2. Patient age of older than 80 years. 3. Anterior cruciate ligament or ACL deficiency. 4. Varus deformity of 5 degrees. And 5. Outer bridge grade 2 chondromalacia of the patella. The correct answer to this question is 3. Anterior cruciate ligament deficiency. So unilateral knee arthroplasty prostheses cannot substitute for an absent ACL, and if arthroplasty is indicated, these patients should receive a total knee arthroplasty rather than a unicompartmental knee arthroplasty. Age is not an absolute contraindication, and the procedure has been advocated for young patients as well as older patients if they meet the appropriate indications for an arthroplasty. Varus deformities of the mechanical axis of up to 10 degrees generally are not a contraindication to unicompartmental arthroplasty as long as the knee can be properly balanced at the time of surgery. Modest chondromalacia of the patellofemoral joint, especially if asymptomatic, is not a contraindication to unicompartmental knee arthroplasty. Moving on to the next question. All of the following are contraindications for a medial unicompartmental knee replacement except, and the choices are 1. ACL deficiency, 2. Anterior compartment osteophytes and pain beneath the patella. 3. Medial-sided knee pain with medial and lateral compartment osteophytes and 3 degrees of varus deformity. 4. Lateral-sided knee pain with degenerative changes isolated to the medial compartment and 7 degrees of varus deformity. And 5. Flexion contracture of 3 degrees. The correct answer to this question is 5. Flexion contracture of 3 degrees. So unicompartmental knees rely on normal knee biomechanics to preserve motion and stability at the knee. The indications for unicondylar knee replacements are evolving. Using the original published criteria, indications for unicondylar replacement include non-inflammatory arthritis, mechanical axis deviation of less than 10 degrees from neutral in varus or 5 degrees in valgus, intact ACL, flexion contracture less than 15 degrees, no patellofemoral symptoms, although radiographic arthritis alone at the patellofemoral joint is not a contraindication, flexion to 90 degrees or greater, age greater than 60, low activity demand, and weight less than 82 kilograms. In a study of 10-year follow-up, Murray et al. defined the following indications for unicompartmental knee arthroplasty, fixed flexion deformity of less than 15 degrees, correctable varus deformity, indicating a competent medial collateral ligament, full thickness cartilage in the lateral compartment, and non-inflammatory arthritis. Patellofemoral arthritis is not a contraindication, nor is moderate obesity. The orthopedic knowledge update mentions that the presence of patellofemoral arthritis is not necessarily correlated with unicompartmental knee arthroplasty failure, though pain with arthritis is. Finally, all indications for unicompartmental knee arthroplasty include a competent ACL. Without an ACL, normal biomechanics cannot be present and the surgery fails. Moving on to the next question. Which of the following benefits can be expected from unicompartmental knee arthroplasty compared to total knee arthroplasty for medial compartment knee arthritis? And the choices are 1. Better clinical outcomes at 1-year follow-up. 2. Greater survivorship rate at 10-year follow-up. 3. Faster postoperative rehabilitation. 
four, better postoperative knee alignment, and five, reduced risk of secondary surgery within the first year. The correct answer to this question is three, faster postoperative rehabilitation. So unicompartmental knee arthroplasty has been shown to result in faster rehabilitation compared to total knee arthroplasty. Theoretically, the knee kinematics are closer to anatomic as the ACL is preserved. This has not resulted in increased longevity, less pain, or better clinical outcomes on a consistent basis. Contraindications to unicompartmental knee arthroplasty include ACL deficiency, flexion contracture, coronal malalignment, and inflammatory arthritis. Heck et al. performed a multi-center review of unicompartmental knee arthroplasties. Survivorship was 91% at 10 years. Obesity was associated with a higher rate of revision. Fisher et al. reviewed 91 patients who underwent either total knee arthroplasty or unicompartmental knee arthroplasty. Patients who underwent a unicompartmental knee arthroplasty experienced a faster return to function and quicker discontinuation of postoperative narcotic medications. Blood loss and length of hospital stay were greater in the total knee arthroplasty group. Rate of complications was similar in both groups. And moving on to the final question, when performing a unicondylar knee replacement, a smaller incision without dislocation of the patella offers what advantage over a standard patella everting approach? And the choices are one, the option to convert to a total knee arthroplasty if needed, two, more anatomic positioning of the components, three, better ultimate range of motion, four, increased 10-year implant survival rate, and five, improved rate of recovery. The correct answer to this question is five, improved rate of recovery. Price et al. compared 40 unicondylar knee arthroplasty patients with small incisions and no patella dislocation to 20 unicompartmental knee arthroplasties with standard incisions and 40 total knee arthroplasties. The average rate of recovery, which was measured by the time taken to achieve straight leg raising, 70 degrees of flexion, and independent stair climbing, following the small incision unicompartmental knee arthroplasties, was twice as fast as after standard unicompartmental knee arthroplasties and three times as fast as total knee arthroplasties. Accuracy of implantation was the same for the two unicompartmental knee arthroplasty groups. That's all for this review about unicompartmental knee replacement. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.